The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today's guest, Dr. Graham O'Connor, Ph.D., is a pediatric dietitian specializing in child and adolescent eating disorders. Dr. O'Connor serves as the research lead at a children's hospital in England. He is a national specialist in adolescent eating disorders and intensive care medicine and regularly presents at conferences. In his free time, Dr. O'Connor is a dedicated cyclist and plays tennis for the local league. An essential component of his life is nature. Graham says he finds uh, a living in the countryside keeps his mind and soul nourished with daily walking meditation practice. In 2007, when he was 27 years old, Dr. O'Connor had a profound NDE, during which he was instantly transported to a beautiful realm that consisted of light and energy. Here he learned and understood that all energy was connected. He was visited by four beautiful beams of light, one of which was his best friend who had died months earlier. He also encountered three deceased patients. On his return journey to his body, his consciousness passed through solid matter, and he was able to observe in great detail the intricacies of physical objects. Graham not only brought back with him a greater understanding of interconnectedness, he was also strengthened in his compassion and empathy for all living things. In the following months after his NDE, there were aftereffects that uh, gave uh, Graham further proof of a life after life. Graham, welcome to NDE Radio. Oh, hello, Lee. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. Well, it's lovely to have you here all the way from England. Graham, I learned from Jeff Mara's interview with you that you had been raised in a family that didn't believe in an afterlife, and, and you described yourself as as atheist who perhaps believed in a higher being. See, I was a, a devout atheist before all of this, and then... Um, I, I came back from this experience. Not there's no way that I couldn't believe in a higher power or, or even God. I could actually use the word God now. I can even say the word <laughs> Jesus. But before I was just, you know, it was like a bad word in my family. Well, tell us what brought this event on. Yeah, sure. I mean, so some in, information around the time of my NDE. My, my best friend had passed away um, about six months before from a, a non-Hodgkin. Um, lymphoma which was a brain tumour and he died within about three weeks of being diagnosed so that was um, a very difficult time and then the the weeks leading up to NDE at work had been again particularly traumatic in that we had three unexpected deaths for of of children so I was just having a difficult time because every time anybody died after my best friend had died it was just much harder for me to 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 comprehend so I just wanted to go out basically I just arranged a night out with my friends at a local club bar um, in south London called the two brewers it's a really like non-pretentious place where you just go and get drunk they have a Mm -hmm. cabaret show on and the more drunk you get, you sort of migrate to the back of this this venue um, where the club area is. And so we got to the club bit and we were very lucky to get a little seated area on the left hand side of, of the bar. Um, and it was at this point, very drunk, that my friend offered me a very strong painkiller that's also an anaesthetic that you could, that you can inhale. Mm. Um, and it was at this time I took some of this um, because of the amount of alcohol in my blood. 
I very rapidly went into systemic shutdown, like within a minute, um, which meant my blood pressure drops. I remember all my peripheral fission just going to a pinpoint and I collapsed at that point. But then my friends went on to tell me that very rapidly I then went into respiratory failure. And there's, um, there's a symptom called strider, um, which is a very distinctive sound. It's like a dog or a seal, a seal line barking. And it's just your airway closing. So, but for me, when I had the, the, the peripheral vision going, even before I hit the ground, I was just transported to this incredible realm instantly, like literally flick of a switch. Um, and I was suspended in this huge coliseum um, and actually in between these two massive columns suspended in the air. There must have been, God, I mean, I want to say a thousand steps coming up to this coliseum. It was absolutely huge. And it was all just made of this light energy because um, the light there was is an incredible light that's very difficult to explain. It's like it's a colour within the light. And the only way I've learned to explain what this looks like is when you're in a science class at school and you have a beam of light that shoots through a prism and on the other side you've got this lovely um, prism of colour that comes out. It's just within that prism when you've got the colour, the beam of light goes into the colour. Um, so you've got the, the, the white light with colour within it. So it's very similar to within the pearl of an oyster. And that's mm. the only way I've really learned to explain what that colour looks like. Sort of now, a translucent white. Yeah, it's a very, it's a beautiful, it's just it's like a glistening, it's just got, and all the colours that we can't even fathom on this, um, on the earthly plane, what, we, what our, our eyes cannot pick up, so from the infrared up to the ultraviolet light, so it's just a very overwhelming, beautiful colour that's there, that's bright. Um, now, I had perception all around me, awareness all around me at this time. And I had this very dominant presence on my, I want to say, I didn't have a shoulder, I didn't have any physical shape, but I feel like there was a dominant presence on my right-hand side. And if I didn't have this awareness around me, I would have just assumed that my back was actually against another one of these huge columns. And I still, to, to this day, don't know whether this was like a spirit guide or even my higher energy. It was just a very dominant presence. Mm. Um, now, now, in front of me, there were these four beautiful, huge beams of energy. Again, a, a pulsating frequency. They all looked identical, but I knew instantly who they were. Um, I'll come back to those in a minute. But beyond these four beams of energy, there was there were other like hundreds, if not thousands, beams of energy beyond them that were within my perception that I could see beyond with with my awareness and perception. Wow. And again, they all had this incredible frequency vibration. It's so difficult to explain because they were all exactly the same, but they all had a different feeling. To them, and we were they were all connected. I couldn't see any like you know string of connection of energy between them, but there was just connected and. The movement of the energy of these beings created like this very, like a beautiful, like almost breeze, like it was like a liquid feeling of this breeze. Um, but again, very difficult to explain that connectedness. But then coming back to to, to the four beams of energy. Well, let me, me yes. Graham. Let yes. me ask you: Were these beings uh, like uh, angels, or or were they? Uh, former humans or you know individuals yeah, a, from from earth i i i wouldn't because they 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 all look the same there was no features at all from 
and angelic features or from human features. So mm. I, they all very similar. So I would, I would say the fact that they were very similar vibration to the, 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 the children and my best friend was they were probably humans, previous humans, as opposed to, to angelic. Okay. Um, so, so, that being, so the four beams that are directly in front of me, the first, talk about the first three beams, that these, the, I knew instantly these were the children that had died on the ward in the, the previous two weeks. Two of those children were infants, um, oh. and the third child was a, a, a three-year-old girl. Um, that the, the communication there is way beyond telepathy. It is just this absolute knowing and this understanding. This, there's no human dialogue at all. It was just this information you get. And with the children, I just I knew everything about their soul journey, everything about their souls. It's again, it's incredible just to get this information download. No dialogue at all. Um, and but just knowing that. They were on this incredible, beautiful journey that um, a very little reference to their to their earthly life at all from, from when I knew them. Mm. Now, well, they, the, yes. two of them, two of them, you said were infants. Yes. Uh, so they wouldn't have had much of an earthly life. What do, were uh, were they? Did they seem to be mature souls, even though they'd come from infants? And again, I, and this is a good question because. Their beam of energy, their frequency was exactly the same as my best friend, who was a fourth beam, beam of energy there. So there was no oh. distinction. So, and it was, I think that's why it's going back to, I mean, I don't, I mean, I do believe in reincarnation now, um, but I, I think it's to do with maybe the previous life that they built up this energy vibration form. Um, yes. Because again, the infant had exactly the same power and beauty as my best friend, who was, who was actually in his 30s when he passed away. Wow, amazing! And it's very so. Um, so then, the, the fourth beam of energy that was in front of me—that was my my best friend—and then the communication with him was a little bit more different to the children, in that I did get an essence of his personality, of from from our friendship on Earth. And I mean, again, if I I didn't have a face there, but if I did have a face, my mouth would have been ajar, my eyes were popping out of my head. It was just this absolute amazing awareness that my best friend was there we were in this incredible realm um and he was an atheist back on earth as well so it was just like this understanding like god look at this is just incredible to have mm -hmm. this connection and it was at this time that he actually took me back to our last memory on earth together and i was very fortunate to be in the hospital room with him when he died i don't know Lee, if you've ever been in a room with somebody when they've died or even when a baby's born but it's an absolute privilege it's a it's a, it's a very special feeling to be in that room yes it certainly is it's, it's magical i mean it's horrible but it's you know it's, it's a real privilege to, to experience that with somebody um so I, even though um i mean i was so angry with him because he died within three weeks of being died and i was like when i was in the room he died i was shouting i like, just show me your a sign that you're okay and I was just looking up to the corner of the room because you always hear like when you know spirits pass, they go up to the corner of the room and they look down. I didn't believe in any of this because I was an atheist, but I was just shouting up at the corner of the room saying, just please show me a sign. Let me know you're OK. But mm. Brendan was showing me this from his perception, which I could then see myself looking up to this corner of the room, which I couldn't see him at the time. But I, I was that's where he actually was. And I could see him looking at me. Um, and I had also had all the emotions of how I felt at that time, but I could also feel his emotions of how he felt like he'd literally just died. And there was this, I felt everything at that time within that room. 
Wow. And because I'd see, yes, because I'd seen myself in this earthly time and seen myself, I then had the realization. Well, and I, at this point, I come. I was back in this incredible realm, and that's when I was then thinking, like, what, what am I dead? Because I've just now where I am, which didn't bother me at all. I was absolutely at peace in this incredible place. Um, but I then had the realization that I was dead. And I thought, well, you know, how did I die? What happened? That's when I thought it must have been the club. And I, I felt I wasn't embarrassed. But I don't think you can have the feeling of embarrassment there. But I just remember thinking, you know, this isn't ideal. And that's when I had a thought of my family and then particularly of my mother. And that's when I was just catapulted back through, I would say back through the earth. So, as I was saying, when I went to this place, it was like a blink of an eye. It was incredible. I was there. But on the way back, it was still an incredible speed. But I remember coming through the club specifically and then through the bar area, my consciousness was coming through the actual wooden bar. Um, and I remember seeing all the intricacies of the splinters within this bar in a split second, just coming through it. And then that's where my consciousness was just sat. My body at that time was laid out by the bar. Now, I couldn't see anybody else in that. But it was it was the bar, the bar was dark. There was no sound. And I couldn't see anybody around me. I could do it. was just my consciousness and my body. And this was the most stressful part of the whole experience, because my consciousness wouldn't go into my body. And I remember being absolutely petrified that I was stuck, that I couldn't get my body my, my consciousness into my body and it was all it was like it would it would go in then it would come back out and I would go back into the wooden area see all the splinters of the bar all the scum that collates around the bar area and it was just like undulating back and forth now what's strange is like literally seconds before I was just in this realm where I did not care that I would die and now I was on this earthly plane, I was petrified of dying. And it was a, a fear that I can still hold now, knowing that I was dead and I couldn't get myself into my, my body. And I don't know what that is. I mean, people talk about the fail, that once you're on this earthly side of the fail, then that's when you have the fear of God and you have the fear of, of death. Whereas on the other side of the fail, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I just had absolute no fear at all. Thankfully, my consciousness, God knows how, got back into my, my body and I sat bolt upright. And that's when I was like, I, I could feel every muscle in my body again, just sat up saying, God, I, I was dead. I was dead. I just saw Brendan. But I also <laughs> had this absolute, can imagine my, my friends knew that my best friend had died, but I had this um, overwhelming, my senses were just overwhelmed because I was absolute silence just before this. And then I had my friends, there was security guard around me. My face was hurting because my friends had been slapping my face, trying to rouse me. The noise from the club. So it was totally overwhelming just to be back in this club. Whereas before I was there, but with no one around me. Now, I thought that I, you know, I must have been gone for like this incredible eternity because I had such an information overload from where I was. You know, even if I was just gone for a few weeks, that would have made made sense. But the fact that I was gone for 15 to 20 minutes, is, is, it gives me so much trauma because I just still now cannot understand the experience I had to only be gone for such a short period of time. And I was just absolutely obsessed, preoccupied with this place for months afterwards. I mean, this was 15 years ago, but I can still remember it 
like it was yesterday. And whenever I think about the the Coliseum, when I'm suspended in that Coliseum, it can take me straight back there to almost a spiritual level that I can connect whenever I want to. But I always go back to the source of this suspension between the two columns that just helps me then relive this whole process whenever I want to do that. But I was just, I mean, I was absolutely preoccupied preoccupied with the place. Um, and, and as you alluded to at that beginning, I was very lucky in that coming back. So this was on the Friday night. It's very interesting that that you were calm when you were in, let's call it heaven, <laughs> with the light beams. You were calm. You felt like you were at home. Coming back to the earthly plane, you were frightened that you couldn't get it back into your body. Now, one of the things that I've encountered with people who talk about these things there's this notion that there is perhaps a spirit realm that you might call purgatory, where souls are stuck yes. on the earthly plane. They're not in heaven. They're not in their body. And you might, the fear that you felt, do you suppose it was because you were afraid you'd be a ghost on earth? It's a really good point because people have these hellish experiences. And the fear, I mean, it was such a contrast of absolute love and peace where I was to hmm. then have this absolute fear of death, knowing knowing that I was dead and seeing that I was dead and having that fear. And I mean, again, I, I struggle with purgatory because of just knowing where I'd been. I think I've, I've also heard about the whole fail, that if there wasn't the fail, then, you know, why would any of us stay here? We didn't have this fear of death. Then none, no one would be here because we would always want to go back to the source. And I've only recently learned a bit more about the fail. There's a, I can't remember this chap's name, but he'd explained it. that Even though we all knew that we were the sun, we wouldn't be able to get up every day to go to work, get in, you know, do our same routine. And yes. I think he's explained it beautifully. So I think you're right. If we all knew what, what the source and what I'd experienced, it's very difficult to continue your, your mundane lives. Right. Well, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I did want to talk about that just briefly so continue uh no thank you so yes yeah, so i i was very lucky even that in the week that i, I got back um that i i got an, another verification from my best friend that i was i was in a, a bar just a week later um and it was a bar that i met my best friend because i was a student um and i said why i um, used to work in the q bar in london and I was sat at the table with my friends and my phone started to ring and it was Brendan's name that came up. And I, I thought it was very strange. He had been dead for six months. So he hadn't, and there was no contact on his phone at all. So I just assumed it must be his partner who's just having a bad day and maybe he's gone through his phone to call. So I said to my friends, look, God, it's Brendan. And I answered it and there was absolute nothing at all. And I didn't want to close it like for five minutes. I had it open. I just couldn't believe it. I thought oh. this is just the most wonderful verification to say again, look where you've just been. This yes. really happened. And again, I'm so lucky. I had two friends that were sat there with me to, to confirm this actually happened. Um, I contacted his partner the next day to say, Do, have you given Brenton's phone to anybody? Did you use it yesterday? Because I got a call of him like six months later. Um, and it's like, no, the phone is in the drawer at home. It's not been charged because he didn't use his phone for about a month before he died because of the brain tumor. So it hadn't been used for months. Huh. Um, so, again, for me, I just feel so lucky that I had another little sign to say. This yes, is that, real. This, yeah, this that, really happened. That confirmation is wonderful. Yeah, it really was lovely. Yes. Then I think you had mentioned in that other interview that, that you had seen orbs 
flying around. Absolutely. And again, so this is, I mean, I wanted to film this today, actually, but I could have got the time wrong with the um, the time zones. I was going to set up the video on the Zoom and just to, just to try to capture him again. But unfortunately, there's, there's a reason for everything and maybe I'm not supposed to do it today. <laughs> um, but there, and to my birthday, there's a lovely orb that, um, that um, I caught. And then for the, the Jeff Morrow interview, there was a beautiful flashing orb and the orb that splitted. And then did, it was, yes, I I feel quite lucky that I get lots of signs from the, the afterlife to say. Do you, yep. do, you, do you feel these orbs are, are visits from Brendan? I do. I think when I was talking, there was one particular time I was talking about Brendan specifically and a beautiful flashing light came in from the mm. top right hand corner. I do feel that. The other ones, I feel like I'm maybe my spirit guides because I feel very lucky that I'm connected in a way that I, could, that I was never before this experience. Um, I can always just get that by just when I was saying before, walking in nature, doing this walking meditation by shutting my mind down. I can get this absolute peace and tranquility um, that has, you know, directed my whole life really now just to be have a very peaceful, stress-free life that nothing really matters. I mean, it's really serious enough yes. to get stressed about. And then the reason I took you back to that ghost was because you saw a ghost shortly after I, that. I did exactly again, and then this again. Just that those first six months after um, this experience, and it's been going to a friend's house that I've been to many times before, um, and we were having dinner. I can remember the meal we were having. We were having toad in the hole. It was a Tuesday night, and I saw a, a man, a full-figured man, like you know, full apparition, walk through his flat. I just thought there was a man in his flat, so I jumped up and said, "Steve, there's somebody in your flat." Um, got into the bathroom. There's nobody there at all. Um, and then another incident happened after that within his flat, um, again, being transported back in time. Um, the, the whole room looked different. The windows are smashed through. Um, I, but again, this was only for the first six months. I seem to be much more in tune to the other side. I mean, I don't I mean, I feel I'm very protected in that I don't get scared of spirits or I don't if, if there are even bad spirits, just because I feel so protected by my spirit team around me now that. In any situation, I just feel like I'm, I can see that the, the the power that we all have, the energy that we all have in us. And I feel so lucky that I've seen a glimpse of that and felt a glimpse of that power that mm. I had behind me in the, in the Colosseum, that I felt this presence, that I would love to think that was my higher self, that that's how dominant and powerful it was. But I don't know if it was or not. So that uh, vision, though, that you had of... Um... Was it your friend's flat that was was destroyed? The windows blown out. You said uh, I think leaves were blowing around. Could this have been a uh, going back into the past? Maybe a World War Two bombing. Yes. And again, I think because it is a Victorian house, so it could have been a bombing episode. And and again, we've had this conversation. I've looked up all the um the evidence for the street. They changed the the name of the street. It's called Brixton Road. That it used to be called Camberwell Road. So I've really tried to investigate that the house number, but I think it's changed so much. But I, I really, I mean, again, I don't know what the connection was, but I do believe it was to do with the, the man that was dead. Um, but again, we thought it might be to do with um, a, a, a bomb from one of the first or second world wars because it was mm. a Victorian house. Um, but then the, the man was actually dressed in a top hat and a coat. Uh, it's just the weirdest thing because, you know, why would somebody be dressed in a full figure and, and to see them in full apparition? apparition um, again, I feel so lucky to have experienced that. Yes. Um, do you think that um, 
so you think that perhaps the the uh, destruction of the of the house was uh, the reason that this ghost was. Yeah. Perhaps he died at that time. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I and really he was show, he was showing you the reason for his being there somehow. I, I think so. But then um, Steve's partner had always also seen somebody walk through. That that again helped with some verification for me that he was doing his hair in the mirror and saw the same place that I saw someone walk through. And it makes me sad to think: Do I, you know, should, do they need help moving on? Are they really stuck here all these years? Um, but I just don't have those skills to think, you know, how they, how would they move on, um, or whether we should have got a medium in or somebody just to help this poor man move on. Because if he was stuck anywhere where I was when I had that fear of not getting into my body, um, yeah, that's not going to be a fun place to be all these years. Uh, I used to know a group of Quakers back in Philadelphia who would go right. to haunted houses and they would pray together. And and talk to the spirit as if he could hear them because they often do, and say, "Look around. There are there are angels. There are there are family friends who will help you move on into the light." So you might just try that with your friend sometime. Oh. Just just oh. Uh, give give that ghost that spirit some direction. That's that fantastic. They, I mean, it, I and I totally believe that we can just connect with the you know, and I just it's just having this the confidence to do that maybe. I mean, my friends left that flat now because be, be uh. <laughs> I mean, this is this is 50. It really was literally this is about uh, three weeks after the experience of 15 years ago. Um, but, but I haven't ever seen anything like that since, which um, mm -hmm. is frustrating. But that's good to know. Thank you so much, Lee, that, you know, that you can. I think you can just call upon angels and your loved ones to help these people to move on if they want to. If they really are just stuck. Yes. Now, I, I gather you you felt uh, a heightened sense of empathy and compassion as a result of, of this experience? Yeah, I mean, th this has been like the lasting effect of this this experience, just because I felt that incredible connectedness up there from not just my, my, my friends, um, my, from Brendan and the children, but the hundreds, of, if not thousands of beings beyond them, and just to know that we're all connected. Um, and again, it's 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 almost like a crippling compassion. Sometimes you can walk past people and just feel like the I'm very sensitive now to empathy and just can feel um, people's sadness sometimes. And even with animals now, I, I came back as I had to be a vegetarian. I couldn't carry on eating meat um, mm. because of that experience. That knowing that what these you know animals go through in the abattoirs, I just couldn't couldn't eat meat anymore. Yeah, it's that, uh, so that's, that's a negative harsh <laughs> um, <laughs> effect. I do miss meat. Now, on, uh, I think it was on Jeff's show, you said, uh, love is the currency of the universe. I thought that was a beautiful phrase. Yes, thank you. Yes, I, I really do. I think love makes the universe grow, compassion, kindness. Um, it just raises the whole frequency of, of the earth by just being that, having that kindness and love. Um, yeah, thank you for picking that up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, but you also said uh, humans are the, I guess, the lowest form of civilization <laughs> <laughs> and uh, give us free will and we become monsters. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us a little about that and what you think that uh, we, how can we improve ourselves? Yeah. And, and, I, and that's why I think I'm very lucky that I've had this experience and that's why I can be compassionate. Um, but we've all, you know, 
even friends of us that we are around us, that they will always see the negative in situations um, and how you can impart this love or this kindness just to know that, you know, we don't all need, you know, if we're awakening, we don't all need to become these Reiki masters. Just by being kind, by smiling, you are making a difference to the universe. So with, you know, these tiny little ripple effects, we've all, you know, someone smiled at us and it can make, it, make it such a difference for our day. And I really believe that can just be enough without having the, to do these huge grandeur um, things to make make the, the world a better place. But it, and, you know, it is. I mean, you know, it's interesting. This, the conversation that Jeff said that you know we've all had these soul contracts, and sometimes people come into this world because to be mean, so to help other people to learn. But it, it, you know, it's just something. It's difficult for me to comprehend knowing the love and the peace that I felt. Why would you come here and have to? To be that way, it's very difficult mm. to understand. It is. Uh, what is the attitude in England of the uh, medical staff when they hear a patient tell about an NDE? Are they accepting? Do they sit down and listen, or or do they just are they dismissive and and not want to hear it? Yeah, I mean, I feel I've been worked for you know, twenty years now in intensive care, and I've never heard had a conversation heard a conversation about it. But um, and I, I've always have an open ear. I'm always very aware. Children that have had any carjack downtime, um, I'm mm. very keen to get involved. And what a lovely outcome that has come from Jeff Morris. Um, so I've been contacted by a researcher um, at Lancaster University to to do some work in post intensive care syndrome. Um, and we're currently writing a proposal at the moment to delve into this a little bit more and do it as a research project. So I'm really excited about this. Oh, that's terrific. Well, once it once it's uh, evolved and, and you're uh, talking to, uh, will you be interviewing uh, people that have had NDEs? That's right. That's what we're hoping to do. So I, from, uh, the, from the position that I work in, I can, cause, I mean, just because someone has downtime doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have an NDE. Um, no. But, but I mean, I mean, a lot of people do. And I think with children, because they're, I think that their understanding of the next realm is probably more normal to us they might not think it's unusual so the, the the research doctor that i'm actually linked up with her specialty is communicating with children to get their narrative out what's different so that's her specialty and i'm going to be working much more on more the physical complications of mobility swallows nutrition um, uh. but we're going to combine together to get this through um, research ethics. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with PMH Atwater's research. She's researched children who have had spiritually transformative experiences like NDEs. You, you, you might look up some of her writings if, if you're going to be doing I, this, this work. Yeah, I definitely would. I've, I've seen her doing some interviews and she's a beautiful character, isn't she? No, I've def- what was her first name again? Sorry. Uh, just, she just goes by her uh, PMH. Or her, PMH. Her, those, that's and then at water and uh yes she's a terrific resource for uh children's experiences fantastic that's great thank you so much that's a good resource there to start on there that's very exciting development from because and again from that that jeff mara show again i didn't really think of uh, the impact i would have on people i'm stupid i just wanted to share my experience because you know it's very not many people will listen to it and i just had such an amazing outpouring particularly from parents who had lost children which i hadn't really thought about and just how much comfort they they got from 
um, from that interview. And that's why I thought, you know, I, I really I had no idea that I could have that impact from the, the experience I had. And that's why it was great to have the opportunity to, to do this again with, with you. Yes. Well, I expect you'll be hearing a lot more. Thousands of people do listen to this show. So I think you'll get some feedback from our listeners as well. Graham, I'm sorry to say that we've run out of time for today, but I want to thank you so much. And uh, perhaps if you do encounter some children's NDEs in your work in the hospital uh, and want to come back and talk to us about it sometime, that would be great. That'd be wonderful. Yeah, I'd be really looking forward to, to doing that. Thank you so much. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 400 archived NDE interviews, please go to Talk Zone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. And listen for free to the complete NDE library of archive programs from 2013 till today. And listen next Monday, 11 a.m. at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.